0: Welcome, everyone, Thursday night class, uh, week after Purim, Ki uh, Kisisa, week before Shabbos, Parshas para this week, any case, we're going to continue the discourse we learned last week. Before we start, tonight's class was dedicated by Shia and Ariella Bistamski. This is in honor of Shia's father's yard site, which was today. Avram Yitzchak ben Yisroel. On the 16th of Adar, may his neshama have an awesome aliyah to the greatest of heights. Bring down all the blessings to the Bistamski family and all that they need, all that they want. Material and the spiritual. and Allah Guttazachim. I mean, in good health. And That's one dedication. Tonight, I want to dedicate the class as well in honor of the two young men who were, the truth is, it should be even the honor of all three. Let me get the third name as well. But this is uh, this whole tragedy in Israel today of the, the shooting and the and the terrorist attack in, in Tel Aviv became very personal to me because um, a dear friend of ours over here in the shul, um, Guy Ben Shushan, tells me today that these are his be- really, really dear friends of these two of these guys. There was two men and one woman that were shot. And uh, two of them were brought in in critical condition. Maybe they ch- changed already by now and hopefully have been downgraded and they're, close- and they're doing better. Uh, the third one was had serious injuries, but not life-threatening, and Hashem should help, they should all have a refuah. So let's first get the names. The names are Or ben Itali, you should have a complete refuah shaleima, and Rotam ben Chava. She sent me his pictures, and I think that Rotam came up and was at the shoal a few times. I, I, I know his face. So that's like very personal, and Hashem should send them a complete and total recovery. And the whole thing should just be a miracle. Just be. I heard today that the gun, the gun of the terrorist, jammed. It's like these miracles are unbelievable. But why do we have to have the miracles in the darkness? We shouldn't have to have these darknesses. We do see God's love in the midst of the darkness. Because this guy seemed to have a, a massive. I don't know what he was shooting with, but he, 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 was he was there to murder a lot of people. And thank God, uh, Hashem was protecting. But Hashem should send it. These people should be completely healed. And all that should be left over from the whole thing is just a memory of a miracle and a Thanksgiving party. Okay, there's one more. um, Let me find her name. One more who needs to be. Where's the third one? Oh, I thought I had the third one. I don't have, I don't have her name. Okay. Maybe I'll find it somewhere else here. Give me just one second. It could have been sent out on a different chat. No, I don't see. Okay, whatever. Hashem knows, should be refuel Shalema. Okay, Um, so now we're going to learn. Let me just, you know, I want to connect this, so I'm going to be right back. So as you may recall, we began learning this discourse last week in the Indian time of Ramavino Kula. Kala, Kala it was a fascinating discourse, but as I told you last week, I had no understanding. So the part we learned last week, thank God, was understandable, but I told you that the piece that we're going to learn this week, um, I was when I was studying it last week, I was totally in the dark. I, I haven't felt that way in the discourse in a very long time. So in the dark, and um, I was concerned because I had no idea how it's going to happen this week. But um, I guess we have to read the Megillah and and, un, and unlock the light because this is a a a um, a discourse on the Megillah Sesta that we read on Purim when we read it on Purim, and thank God the God. The, the, the we downloaded this this the, the 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 story of Purim we downloaded the holy Megillah along with that comes the insights so and I I'll, I'll I'll admit I was in my head last week I thought I'm going to spend an entire week digging into this discourse and trying to open it up and understand it and I will confess that I didn't end up looking even at it till. 6:45 today. That's about an hour and a half ago. <laughs> but I sat down with a fresh mind and I reread, and thank God, it's it, it it lit up in my head. However, I will say that it's very much see before when I was when I was reading it the first time. It was on a level of keter, which means a level of yoshech, choshech, da, yoshech so The whole discourse was plain darkness. I didn't see anything now it came down to a level of Bino, which means as we're going to learn the mimer it's a it's an understanding but it's still hovering i can still feel it up here <laughs> and hopefully by the time we end finish learning it's gonna we're gonna feel more that we can internalize it and get a good grasp on on the discourse so that we can hold on to it integrate it assimilate it into our uh experience an awesome discourse okay so I'm just going to review the main point where we learned last week. The idea of this discourse is to explain how Purim is a continuation of the giving of the Torah. How when we got received the Torah at Sinai, our acceptance was, was, was um, wishy-washy. It was considered only the beginning. And then at the and this by purim, we completed our acceptance of the Torah. The way I, 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 I was able to visualize it today is you know, you ever try to start a fire on coals? So you light you, you know, you you have coals and you put some lighter fluid on. You light, you put a match, and it burns. It burns. And sometimes you get the fire burning a little bit on this side, get the fire burning a little bit on this side. Everybody's got these these experiences when you try to do a barbecue out on a, on, a, like on a picnic. So when you're coming like, you know, and you're a real professional and you bring all the equipment and everything, it's one thing. But a lot of times it has to do with the weather, it has to do with the wind, it has to do with the air. Uh, sometimes it just doesn't go. And, and and you can light the coals and then you put lighter fluid. Let's say, let's say you have that, and you can find sometimes that only the lighter fluid is burning and the coals are not burning. <laughs> and then it burns for a while and it, it goes out. And then you try on the other side and you burn it and it goes and go. Sometimes it takes a while. And then only after, like after like some, I remember there have been times like we, 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 we 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 it took us like a really long time to get a good fire. Sometimes like over an hour. This wasn't working, and that was when I remember because I take the kids out, and the kids were getting antsy, and they couldn't get the fire going. Um, but the point over here is at a certain point, the fire finally takes hold in, into the coals, and it, and it gets in, and suddenly the coals are, 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 have become now one with the fire. The fire is not on the peripheral outside. It's, it's, it has completely become assimilated, integrated to the point that the coals are the fire reaches a point that the it reaches a point where there's no more fire on the outside the fire are just saturated in the coals the coals are burning but there's no, and that's the, that's when you want to grill you want to grill on a, on on a, on a barbecue when there is no external fire when the fire is inside the coals so we can look at that as god being a fire that's what he learned we, we learned in the discourse Hashem is the fire the world is the coals by the giving of the Torah, Hashem is pouring the kerosene and delivering us and lighting the fire and lighting it. But as 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 for the first thousand years, um, the vessels weren't ready yet. Just like, uh, like the, we didn't have the containers ready to be able to receive the light. So he maybe last week we learned, we just uh, this part we learned from the end of the discourse, even though we learned really only the first paragraph and then we skipped to the third paragraph and I read to you a little bit what it says over there. That right after we received the Torah, we find that the fire of Torah and godliness kept an extinguishing amount for the Jewish people. During the, when you read the, the biblical accounts in scripture and by the times of the prophets, you find that the Jewish people are very wishy-washy in their commitment to God. It's up and down and up and down and, and it's because they, it hasn't registered deeply in them and therefore godliness did not register and take hold deeply into the world. So holiness and godliness was on the outer peripheral of things. Maybe there was more godly light, just like you can see a fire more. That's also an interesting analogy. You can see the fire more when the fire is burning on the outside because it's just pure fire. There's nothing else there. But When the fire gets into the coals, you don't see the fire that much, but it's, but it's internal. And that explains the difference of the early generations. We read their biblical divine revelations Then it was so powerful, it was so neat, it was so cool, or rather hot uh, than cool. It was so (coughs) magnificent. And we find ourselves seeming to be experiencing so much less of the godly illuminations and lights and powerful stuff. But the difference is the fire is now inside of us. It's inside the human spirit. The divine has already come down into the human spirit. We are much godlier today than people were then. The fire is inside our hearts and inside our souls, and inside. So it's not flashes of divine fire from above, but that's exactly the reason why we don't see it so much. We have to look deeply into other people. We have to look at other human beings and look look into our own soul and look into the goodness we find around us. It's important to always remember that the media and and all the means of media, they they just find. The sensational stuff that the media finds is in all the corruption and all the dark stuff. They love focusing our attention on all the negative and all the crimes and all the bad things. Because that's what writes headlines. But the inner beauty of the human of of, of humanity is not highlighted. It's not being shown. But we have the ability to look at it and see. You have to look between the lines or look around. Fine. It. It's, it's amazing how much... Good goodness and how much kindness and how much generosity and how much people have changed, how selfless people have become. Um, it's not what the news will tell you, but if you look carefully and you look in, in, in communities and you look in places, you see how giving and caring most people are. It's a different world today. And that's because godliness has really taken effect in the world. And people are seeking a connection with Hashem as well on a deep level. Across the world, not only in the Jewish world, across the entire world on a very deep way. That's because godliness has saturated and has come inside. And that's the story of Purim. On when Purim happened, the world's acceptance of the Torah accelerated enormously. In other words, the the fire went into the went into the coals. It went into the inside. It finally took hold. And since then and obviously, the more we're getting closer to Mashiach, the deeper it's going. But that's the first time we can say that the world, that the Jewish people, starting with Israel, really, really integrated godliness. Now, last week we learned that um, the 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 um, why is the is this proper, what what's what takes so so long? What is the what is it that didn't allow godliness to reveal itself in the world um in the early days right after creation and only two thousand two and a half thousand years later was the torah given and then only a thousand years later was it finally assimilated into into the like did it go into the coals did it did it did the coals become glowing coals to and 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 fully fully become unified with the divine. Um, that is due to the idea that we learned that godliness only reveals itself when there is a container, when there is a vessel, because we were learning that light requires a vessel, and that's what the Jewish people said when they when they received the Torah. He said, we will do and we will hear. Remember, we asked the question we learned last week. What do you mean you will do and you will hear? How can you do before you hear? So we learned that it means like this hearing doesn't mean listening to the command. Hearing means to gather in, to to experience the divine light, to connect. The hearing is to, to connect. And in order to connect, you first have to have a vessel. Because God doesn't manifest unless there is a vessel, and the vessel is the action of the mitzvah. Every day, if we wake up in the morning and we take a and we think for a moment, I want to bring infinite light into my space. I want that God should illuminate, should shine within me, in my soul, in my. I, I, I should be filled with his with his infinite presence, with his infinite light. So what? So the natural feeling, the natural tendency is to get into the spiritual state of mind and do meditation and do some yoga whatever uh, with the intention of connecting to God, enter into a place of stillness, put quiet music on and just like be in that space. That's a good thing to do. But if you, if you go and feed a hungry person, go outside and find someone who needs food and give them to eat something, you're more far more likely to experience the divine than in your silent meditation. Not that the meditation isn't good. After you've fed the hungry person, come back and meditate. After you've done a mitzvah, after you've created a vessel, a container for the divine, come back and meditate. Then the meditation will, 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 will connect. Before that, it will be meditating. Who, who says you're connecting to anything? In order for the, for the connection to be made, in order for someone to pick up on the other end of the call, you know, you're making a call. when You're dialing in when you're meditating. But is someone going to be at the other receiving end? Is the connection going to be made? Is there going to be a response? Last week we learned that hafta, you should love is the numeric value of two times light. Our light means our yearning. Our spirituality has to be met by another light. What are the two lights? The lights intertwine and interconnect and and catch on. It has to register. It has to like meet God's love for us. There has to be a a joining of the two. That's the two, the two ors, the two lights. So that there's, you're in love with someone that the other person is aware that you're loving them and is connecting to you in your love. A one-way love is not much of a love. A love has to be that there is a a dual, there's a union taking place. So but in order for that to happen, there needs to be a vessel. And that's why the sages say, we learned last week, <speaking in Hebrew> an ignoramus can't be a pious being because the ignorance meaning in this case, I mean it could be pious it could be a fine person, but to really have a consistent connection to God in a very real way that should be sustainable. I mean, it's possible for a person to have a momentary, um, deep spiritual experience. Every person can have that. that. I'm not. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is to live a life with, and you're like a tabernacle. God is living inside of you. You're you're are like your home and your your space is the is the mishkan is a tabernacle is a is a sanctuary and God is living inside you and within you. Um, that requires constant fueling. It with mitzvahs, you need a, you need an action because fire for instance we said god is compared to fire just like fire does not does not the, the 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 gas of fire whatever gas whatever the essence of fire is is an abstract energy but when you create the vessel down here you you have a, a wick and oil and you strike the match and you create that that friction or whatever it is That is able to draw this abstract energy of the fire and manifest it in a, in an actualized way. So to bring God down, God is everywhere, but to bring him into a way that he's manifesting in us and within us. That means that's like striking that match. You need to first have the match. You can't create a fire just with energy. You need the vessels. You need the, 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 the lamp, whether it's the, gold, the 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 vessel, utensil in which you're putting the oil in. You need the oil. You need the wick. You need the, the igniter. You need the vessels. And when there is vessels, then there is light. And that's the meaning we will do first. And after we will do, we will hear. We will then experience the godly light. We will make the connection. Then we learned, then we learned that There is even a deeper reason why we need the containers. Not only because a a pure energy cannot manifest unless there is a container. That's one reason. An, An abstract divine pure needs a vessel for it to manifest. But according to that, the vessel is not really generating the light the, the the vessel is making it possible for the light to to have a presence in this world the container is making it possible for the energy to, to to land somewhere right to take hold somewhere um and again and the containers and the vessels are only what god had instructed us are the containers to hold him Just like a soul, I'm giving an example. Just like a soul of someone who lived 300 years ago, is something we 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 believe in. We recognize the soul is eternal, but we don't have a tangible relationship with that soul unless we study their Torah. But you know, a tangible relationship. But if someone has lots of difference between someone who is alive that you can go visit them or a grandmother god forbid or a great grandfather whatever that passed away what's the difference it's both the difference is here's a soul in a vessel and here's a soul that's not in a vessel in order for the for this person to be um 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 uh, you know very tangible in your in your in, in your life that you can communicate talk and com- and, and connect to then, the, then it needs limbs, a soul, an abstract soul. So here's the thing. Of course, we can connect with our deceased relatives, but it's not in any way compared to connecting to people that are still alive. Everybody un- understands that. Why? Because with a deceased relative, you, f- you realize that when you're speaking to them or thinking of them, they're hearing you, but you don't hear them. Sometimes a person merits that you, ha- you can communicate, you have a dream or something, that a loved one comes, comes to someone um, and you get, you get, you're having a, a, a beautiful experience, an encounter with someone that you miss very much who already departed to the other realm. But um, like this, we can't. Why? Because the soul is an abstract energy. And unless it's enclosed in a tangible. And what is the tangible vessel for it? 248 limbs make up a body. So here's an amazing thing, he says. There is the infinite light of God, is God is infinite. It's like an abstract energy. So you want to connect you, you know in a meaningful way. You can connect to God when God is vested in his limbs. And what are the limbs of God? The 240, I'm sorry, the, the ten sephirot, the ten attributes, they are the limbs. The attributes are somewhat definitions channels through which god makes himself known through these through these personality He's compassionate he's gracious he's, he's 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 fear he's he's correct he's true all these all these attributes which are attributes only which allow his otherwise utter abstract being uh, to now be connected to now the 10 sephirot if you really, really, really get, you know, break them down to its particles, they they intermingle and intertwine and, and 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 become 248 limbs of God. And only within the limbs can can is God manifest, is the infinite manifest. So, what are the commandments? Now we understand what the mitzvahs are. The mitzvahs are the incarnation of the divine body, the divine body that is also abstract because the divine body is the sphero t- on, a, on a higher spiritual realm. It's considered body and compared to God himself to the infinite, which is considered soul. It's considered, but relative to us, that too is abstract. It's in a higher realm, way, way above us. The incarnation of that into a physical space, into physicality, so God can become tangible down here below, that's in the physical actions of the mitzvah. Because the physical actions are, you, are us constructing the 248 limbs of God via our limbs in this physical. And then, Hashem is, Hashem is here like a living human being with a body in this world or else he's bodiless, abstract, like a soul that left this world. So the importance of doing the mitzvah, but this this was only the first explanation, because this explains only that it needs a vessel. But then he goes on and he takes it even deeper. Not only does it need a container, but that the container really draws the light, not only is the container a place for the light to manifest, but it impacts the lights, it draws the energy down, it draws the, why, because the the source of the vessels are higher than the lights, because the, and that we learned, was this was the conclusion of last week's class, because there is, there is something called tohu and tikkun, to is a primordial state of existence where God allowed for his energies to flow in all of their intensity, the world of chaos, a world where the lights of God were unleashed. God kind of didn't hold back and he allowed his energies to flow, his infinite powers to emanate, you know, like a gushing fountain and without, without restraint. And that world collapsed because the energies were way too powerful and way too strong. And then Hashem re re emanated, if you can say, Um, recreated or re-emerged in a a far more constrained manner. So when we say this world of Toh and the world of Tikkun, we're talking about manifestations of God. First, God manifested in all of his intense intensity of of himself, that and but those vessels to hold that intense, radical, intense revelation of the infinite didn't hold. It collapsed. It's almost like the, the it's almost like this. It's the idea that the spherot died. It's like a body that's shocked by too much too much voltage of the soul. But that, then he, so then he emerged in a new body. The new body that he emerged in is the second set of spheroid, which are much, 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 much weaker because here he's already in restricted mode. He's in filtered mode. And therefore, you cannot compare in any way the new lights to the old lights. The new lights, however, are handleable, they are um, containable in vessels. And that's how a world was built. However, there are specks and spots and little speckles, if you might say, little droppings, little, little pieces of that old, ancient, divine, uh, initial divine appearance from those shattered vessels that are scattered. And those intense energies are scattered primarily in the lower parts of creation. The lower that you go, which means the darker you're going into, into the darker aspects of existence, the more unholy it feels, the more ungodly it feels, the more the more horrific it gets, which is why when we sit and wonder like why the darkness, why the suffering, why the pain, why the madness? why the ignorance why the why the ungodly that there is so much of it's precisely in those dark places that there are the that these deposits of this intense divine energies are waiting to be unlocked because of because these are in there are the shards from that magnificent divine body that shredded I'm using new terms that I've never used before it's almost like the divine body itself that shredded from that body, from that set of spirit of attributes that were shredded is trapped in all these, in all this and when we do mitzvahs all the commandments that were given to us are all a rectification of those elements within the world, because the mitzvot are primarily—they're all being done in the physical realm. And since they're being done in the physical realm, in the physical is where these, where the 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 the, the potent sparks are. And as a result of that, when we do mitzvot. And we're able to wrestle and clarify, as we're soon going to see better, we're going to understand in today's class, we're able to clarify and un- unlock or un- untangle that, 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 that unbound, that spark and retrieve it and bring it back into its, into holiness, into where it belongs. When we do that, through the act of the mitzvah, we are, we are um, registering, we are triggering the ancient primordial lights of Tohu, the infinite lights of God. And because we're creating such a, we're stirring up on such a high level, it forces the lower lights of God, the second order lights to descend into the vessels. The reason why it wants to settle into the vessels is because the second order of divine energy knows how ridiculously diminished it is, how how weak it is, and 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 the only reason it lowers itself down to manifest in the world is because it's it's it it's being pulled by these by the magnet. It's almost like the because it it's it's because it's seeking these sparks is what draws it down, so whenever we have a spark of holiness that we have brewing a a heavenly light is going to come down, a heavenly divine emanations are coming to reach to 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 eat that spark, so to speak, to include that spark because that spark is going to give it access to the primordial lights. So the new lights, which are much weaker than the primordial lights, will settle down. That's what we're learning, remember. What's causing the manifestation of the light of the divine down here into the world? It's being attracted by these sparks. So it's being attracted by the mitzvot that we do. Because only when we do the mitzvah, every time you're doing a mitzvah, I, I know it's a whole new way of seeing oh, This is cool, we should make a tiny video of this. You're teasing God. When we say you're teasing God, he, he he can't help it, but he and he and it, he must come down and manifest because in order for him to to have that spark, he must reveal himself in that space, and that's how, that's how the spark gets integrated. And so the limited manifestations of the divine dwell in this world and in us and in everything we do because. Of the matter and the physicality that is involved in our mitzvahs, because in those in, in the physical itself is where these sparks are, are are hidden, and these sparks are coming from a place higher than the lights that are manifest. So last week we learned that Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, our forefathers, our 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 our, our patriarchs and our matriarchs, um were able to achieve whatever we do with the mitzvot, they were also achieving before the Torah was given. That's how the discourse began. That Avram and they, they did the. They were able to draw. What does it mean? What's the point of mitzvot? The point of mitzvot is to make God manifest. They were able to pull God down to manifest, but they did it without mitzvot. Why? So he explained. If, but he explains it based on these two explanations. If the reason we need um, 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 a mitzvot, we need commandments, we need to do action, is in order to create a vessel to facilitate the light, because a light will not manifest without a vessel, on that end, our patriarchs and matriarchs were, 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 were able to provide that without the physical mitzvahs, Because their love for God and their, their spirituality and their, their high level of spirituality, of love for Hashem that was so intense and that was never ending and that was so, so consistent, their souls themselves were the vessels, the containers. They didn't need to do a physical action to provide a, 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 um, a replica or an incarnation of the divine limbs. They themselves in their consciousness their consciousness and their state of mind and their meditations serve as the limbs for god's for god's light to flow we don't have the ability to do that we need to do an action we're not in that in that we don't have that meditative that intensity in our meditations we don't have the ability to lift our emotions up to be in a constant state of attachment to god we fear other things we love other things we get distracted very fast They had, they weren't distracted. They fixed their mind on God when they were, Abraham fixed his mind on God when he was three years old. And from that day on until the day he passed at 175 years old, he did not become distracted from God for a moment. He was consistently in a state of dveikos. Can you understand what that means? From three to 175, for 172 years without a break, without a moment stopping, even when they were asleep, they were in a state of, they were in a meditative state. Because of that, their souls were, itself, was that vessel. Serves as the lamp, where the light can manifest. We don't have that, so we need mitzvahs. In that sense, they were doing better than us. But on the second idea of mitzvahs, that mitzvahs attract the the, the light to come down, because the mitzvahs contain within them, within them the sparks of holiness. Because they're physical and those sparks are being retrieved and these sparks are being now elevated and 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 the reason the light is coming down is because it's being teased by the spark which has access has the key to to infinite to the infinite lights much higher than the light that's manifesting to the levels of the primordial order of god that our forefathers didn't have Because they couldn't do the mitzvahs in the physical world. Because God had not given the Torah yet. So this ability to unlock the sparks from their entrapped state, retrieve them, elevate them, and through that draw down divine manifest, that was not yet available for them. And since it was not yet, why? The world was not ready yet. That's the reason why Israel suffered. You know, people wonder the Jewish people suffer so much. So much anti-Semitism, so endlessly brutal suffering. And the world doesn't realize that the Jewish people are doing the suffering for all of humanity and for all of the world. Because the suffering that Israel has gone through, that that the Jewish people had gone through from the very beginning was a purification of their souls, and the purification of their souls are the purification of the cosmos. It brings about a purification in the rest of the world, including all of humanity, all of the human race. Everything is contingent on Israel. So when the Jews were in 210 years, in enormous slavery, what that did was that that served as a purification process for the material of the world that's after that cleansing and purification the 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 sparks of holiness now became available for extraction before that they were not extractable the klippa was so strong the stubbornness of the unholy that was holding on to these sparks was so locked tight but the purification process softened it all, and allowed for the now. When you're going to do a mitzvah, and you're going to draw down whatever the mitzvah is, you're going to. As we're soon going to see what the how the mitzvah does this. We're going to you. You're going to be able to draw divine energy down and create this magnetic, you know, pull that the the spark can now be extracted. And as a result of that, the divine manifestations that are coming down. Are much more powerful than than the than the lights that were available, than the divine connections that were made by the patriarchs and the matriarchs. Ours are incomprehensible stronger, incomprehensible higher. Because it has the quality of these sparks of holiness. So it's drawing God down from the primordial state. From the initial order as opposed from the more filtered state they achieved a connection of god to a filtered god to the filtered light but to reach and access the infinite lights of tohu they had no access the world wasn't ready yet the purification now the 2000 years of the current exile where israel again has gone through who knows untold suffering is also part of a a purification process for, for all of existence, for all of the world. Only this, only this can begin 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 to shed a tiny bit of light on the holocaust and things like this other than that it's it's even like this we don't understand but but at least it, there's some thought of the mystery over here it's not it's not this is not just such atrocity and such suffering it's not it wasn't meant for the jewish people it was meant for a purification of the existence to usher in the messianic age um, we're still waiting for that to happen, but it 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 this is this is big stuff big stuff so um now that we learned all of that now we're ready to continue and that is once we understand that at the time of the giving of the Torah the world was finally ready. The, 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 the correction of the vessels was already The world, the containers were ready. The, 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 the sparks were ready to be revealed and uncovered and extracted. By the giving of the Torah, as we mentioned earlier, it was still a... The connection was made, but only the beginning. As I said earlier, like the story with the coals. You know, you get a little fire burning, you get a little this happening, you get these connections being made with the physical, but it's not, it doesn't, it hasn't broken in. And by the story of Purim, it's fully manifested. So it was the second phase of the giving of the Torah. Again, what's, and what is the idea of the giving of the Torah? To allow us to take a physical object and in the physical world, create that vessel and container for God to manifest with something physical and through something physical. And the and again, the power is precisely because it's physical, because it's in the physical realm. We are the, we're the with the highest potentials shards of that of that primordial world is, is 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 access to, but by the giving of the Torah, that began. So now he's going to explain since um, the story of Purim was phase two of the giving of the Torah and that's why we have to bring out the horses. That's where this is all going to. You know, when Haman, let's go back, when Haman um, comes to Verush, Haman is the wicked, right? Uh, the one who's scheming to wipe out is the Jewish people in the time of the a story of Purim. So he he, he comes to to Achashverosh to um, ask that Mordechai should be hung up on the gallows the next morning. Achashverosh then is experiencing insomnia. Can't sleep that night. He's having a sleepless night. He asks that they should read before him the, the book of uh, the diary or whatever. He finds over there that he has an unpaid a favor that someone was kind to him. And he asks what was done for Mordechai. He told him nothing. And at that moment, you know how God is like unbelievable over here. It's really cool. At that very moment, Haman happens to be like because he's also he can't sleep at night because he's so excited that the next morning he's going to he's going to have his uh final victory and vengeance over Mordechai. He's not bowing down to him. Who's not feeding his ego? So um, he's. He, it's at that very moment he he he's coming to the palace early morning, and the king says to him, "What should I do for a person who, who the king wants to honor without telling him the name?" And Ahuman conjures up conjures up in his own mind that it's, of course, me. He sees he's he because he's now floating on top of the world because Esther had now honored him already, invited him to the private party. Two days in a row, you know, so Esther, had, Esther had pumped him up. So you see how this, you, you, if you think deeper, you see how this is all a setup, an amazing setup. Esther pumps his ego up to the, pop, 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 to the point of the inflation point where it's ready to like it. And because of that, when he's standing in front of Achashverosh and Achashverosh says to him, somebody that the king wants to honor, he can't even think that it might be someone else. And it sure hits himself. So he, and. we so he and because he has dreams of, of monarchy of king of kingdom because when you're when you're an ego maniac uh, you never have enough in the inflation of your ego there's never satisfaction. So as he was the highest minister. The only thing above him was to be the king. So he was dreaming of that. So he asks. He says, "Let let them take out the the uh, the horse. They let them bring the garment. That's what he says. Yavu levush malchus. So they should bring a garment, a royal garment." and the horse, the king has ridden, or, 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 or been riding on, when they put the, when the, during the king's coronation, the horse that the king was riding on during the coronation, and the garments of the king, of the days of coronation, and you should dress this individual with all that, with that royal garments, and have one of the great ministers pull, Parade this person across the street and say, So shall be done to a man who the king desires. That's the story. And then obviously the tables are turned because the king says to him, Go, go fetch Mordecai and dress him up and give him a parade. You know, and him, you know, that was that was worse than worse than death for him to have to do that. That's the beginning of his downfall. Um That's the simple story. What's the deeper story? What's the divine story? That's the story as it's playing out in this world is the deeper story. The reason why we're suddenly bringing it, the king, we're we're talking about the garment of the king and the horse of the king and we're parading something over there. What does this mean? The, the one that God wants to honor is us. Dress, dressing us up in royal garments, dressing us up. But why, why at that moment? It was because Purim is the same, is is the conclusion of the giving of the Torah. And by the giving of the Torah, the the, the the prophets use the term that God came riding on a horse. When you came riding on your horses, your chariots of salvation. That's an that's spoken of by the giving of the Torah. So over here as well, since the story of Purim is the continuation of the giving of the Torah. It's done through horses. The whole discourse that we're going to learn today, all this was an introduction, is going to explain why the horse, what's what is the connection of the giving of the Torah to the concept of the horse? So it's going to explain the spiritual horse. It's going to expel the divine horse. And why that's the that's the what's necessary over here to enable the Torah to be given. What is the the, 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 the the Torah being given mean? The connection of the divine to the to the to the physical. So here's the, here's just in, in 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 very in very short synopsis. Again, as I mentioned earlier, this 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 whole idea is is hovering above above me. It's not I haven't like sunk my teeth into it, but there's just a little the idea of something is like this. In order to elevate sparks of holiness, you have to go down into, a, into, the, into the, we spoke earlier, into the very, 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 very dark places in order to do this rectification. It's a surgical procedure. And you have to go into a very, very low place. And that's basically where God has led us through throughout history. Hashem has taken us into the chambers and the chambers and the chambers and the chambers of the sitra achra on the other side. As I was preparing this discourse just a you know a little while ago, it suddenly occurred to me. You know, you wake up in the morning. You if you watch TV or you have to do it in the morning or whenever it is during the day or at any point you check up on the news or you're living in a world. And and the world seems sometimes to be of such madness, of such craziness. Okay, and the one hand, I spoke, of the media likes to present only the madness, but and only the darkness. There's so much beauty and so much beautiful. If you want to look for that, uh, you should. You should. Uh, we should have a good news channel. That that that's true. But at the same time, we are sometimes like, and some you know faced by things that, and we wonder like. like how's this craziness going on in the world how is this utter insanity the stuff that are happening certain things today that are just utter insane and 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 you're and you're like you almost have to pinch yourself to to believe that this is real so it occurred to me that God takes us through the, all all the chambers of the other side, of the unholy side, of the klipa and the sitrach. So when we're watching like every decade a new world open up with its new cuckoo-ness, with its new craziness, with its new things that are so sometimes immoral, almost sickeningly immoral, and and, and almost like everybody walking around thinks it's normal and it's okay and it's it's actually… Correct, and it's it's the way things ought to be, and uh, so on and so forth. So, what does that mean? Has everybody has everybody gone, you know, crazy? No, Hashem puts us into this very, very, very. It's like we we've purified everything else already. Now there is another realm of Klippa, a very dark realm of Klippa that we go into. And when we go into that realm, dark, dark, dark realm of Klippa, in that space, we learn Torah, we do mitzvot, we help each other, we do acts of kindness, we do acts of goodness, we radiate godly light and we purify the space. And we extract the good potential and becomes integrated into holiness. And then we finish picking up everything and then you know, the 60s are over and the 70s come in. And then the 70s are over and the 80s come in. And then the millennials come. You know what I'm saying? How, how, how suddenly suddenly the, the whole scene changes. You don't realize how much the world is changing. That's because, so yes, there are certain aspects in the environment that are very dark. Very dark. But it's precisely in those places where we do the Torah and the mitzvahs. Because that's the place that right now needs the cleansing. That's the place right now it needs. Now, on the one hand, the Rebbe already told us 30 years ago that we finished already elevating sparks. So what is it now? It's hard to know exactly. Clean up. I'm not exactly sure what happens after the last sparks are elevated and therefore why are we still... it's 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 It still needs to be clarified and I've discussed it in other classes. Perhaps possibility, but the general gist of what of what it's saying over here is that we. But here's the idea. Here's the fright. Fr- here's the when we go into a dark place in order to rectify a spark, and we're going to see what, what what sparks are really. What are these sparks? Sparks of what? Sparks of misguided emotion. That's really what it is. Misguided energies that get like, which are good energies but construed. Good energies but construed. That means it's that means that the of the unholy, is taking a holy energy, and 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 using it in a crooked, construed. I'll give you a a perfect example of that, and I'll let you do your own conclusions because I don't want to, you know get, because today's days you can't even say anything anymore. So I'm not going to say, but think about compassion. How in the name of compassion and in the caring of sensitivity and caring for all of humanity, how certain things are becoming so wrecked in the universe, how children are being destroyed, how entire future of, of 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 societies are being wrecked to pieces because of misguided compassion. Now, misguided, you say, yeah, but, but I have compassion, but, but, but I feel for the... Yeah, I wreck a universe because of that. Wreck the future of, of all people. Don't let little children grow up like normal people. Because... Because you decided that whatever is essential and, and, and fundamental in existence doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it, it, it's frightening. So you see, the, the, you see how there is pieces of energies. Love can become a corrupted. Compassion can become corrupted. Discipline can become corrupted. In the same way. You know, uh, in the name of discipline, in the name you could it can turn into cruelty and misused. So uh, it's it's not only in one particular thing, it's in many things. But in every generation it has its 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 manifestation. So here's the thing to go into these places to rectify, to clarify. Is very dangerous. Because the one that's being led in, the, the one that's going down to rectify could become corrupt corrupted by the environment and where you're rectified. Because to rectify, you have to be inside it. Why does God have to put us through this these these why couldn't all this crazy world let me give you an example? Why couldn't this crazy world that we're watching unfolding in front of our eyes in many ways today be something that we would just be read, read in a book? We would read in a book about an imaginary world of so-and-so and so-and-so, and, so and, so, and then we would sit down and take a test, and we would have to say what is right and what is wrong. Imagine. Imagine this very world. If I was to tell you actually 100 years ago that there would be a world today where they don't know who's a ima- man, that, 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 that everything is non-binary. And you decide if you're a man and you're a woman and this is what taught the little children and bathrooms are not going to be gender anymore everything is just one big removal of all barriers and all this if i was to tell this to a person 50 years ago 100 years ago, they would think that this is a make-believe world this world that can't exist it doesn't it it, it, it it will never happen it's impossible but yet we're watching so why did it have to be this way why couldn't we just have an hypothesis we would have been given a book if these clipper if now in the unholy something like this exists so why couldn't we be given a book to read about it and then afterwards we would all be taken a test and we would all sit down and say what is correct what is wrong what is where is the where is it correct to have compassion what is already a misuse and a, and a, and, a, and a and a complete mess and we would do a fixing and then and then god would give us another book to read in a, some way the torah does that because when you read torah you're reading about all kinds of weird scenarios and you're kind of clarifying who's right who's wrong and so on and so forth but god doesn't only give us torah to study he actually takes us into all these into all these dark worlds into all these dark experiences and we have to live in it and breathe it day in and day out live in, in societies that are sometimes so cuckoo and so crazy Because in order to fix something, you have to be inside of it. But at the same time, when you're inside of it, you have to be above. So you have to be in it and above it at the same time. The horse, as we're going to learn over here, is the ability to remain afloat, remain above any place that we go into. And I know now it doesn't make any sense. Why am I saying what does it have to do with the horse? But that's what we're going to learn. That the horse is our abilities. Torah's ability to go down into the entire, into Torah's ability to descend into a world full of klipa, full of unholiness, to navigate through that world in a way where it keeps, it remains above. You're within, but it provides that protection. Just like a horse can take a person to a very low place where the person couldn't go on his own, like a deep canyon. If I tried to climb down, it would be too dangerous to go down myself down this canyon. But the horse, number one, it's a four-legged creature. So it can go easier down a I, – I sometimes go hiking, and I go on difficulty, and I watch the four-legged creatures the, the, the dogs that people take on the hikes and I wonder wow that would be so much easier if i just had another two <laughs> if you had four 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 legs you'd get down easier you'd come up easier you have better balance the whole situation well a horse with his big sturdy legs and so can go down go down to a deep canyon so the idea that through the torah and through a particular power that's in the torah we're going to see soon ingredient that's in the torah those who need to do the rectification can go down much, much lower, and there's no worry that we will get hurt in the place that we're going into. We can extract what we need to extract, elevate what we need to elevate, retrieve all these sparks, and make this world the most beautiful godly place, like it's going to be any moment when Shia comes. So, He's going to develop that idea of the horse. Okay? That's kind of where it's going. So now let's take a look and read in inside. Hine, now behold, so once he explained in the discourse how it's the prize of the giving of the Torah is our ability to connect God to the physical world Via this, the, via this rectification and purification that we do by extracting sparks of holiness, which are, is which is what is attracting the infinite light down here. So in order, however, to set up the mechanics to allow for these sparks to be elevated. There was an element of horses by the giving of the Torah, which represent a certain, a certain power. Divine power that needed to be tapped, that needed to be um, um, drawn, and that happened. That power revealed itself by the giving of the Torah at Sinai, and it repeated itself by the by the story of 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 of, of Purim. That's why the horses came out again. Haman is, is is leading the horse because really the Haman himself is the one who is who who brought about. It's it's interesting how the evil people themselves unconsciously and, and 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 god works through the monsters as well cuz god is the one who's orchestrating everything so the bad guys end up contributing to towards the and i saw something beautiful in the, the kadusha Slevi um i've been i i basically dedicated this Purim to he was my uh my light this Purim it's past Purim. Thank God. And um, in, in, in his in one in his last piece on Purim, something very beautiful, he says that the reason there's such joy on Purim is because sparks of holiness were elevated from the lowest of places. So he says, What's the sparks of holiness? He says, Both Akhvarish and Haman, both of them are elevated sparks. Because Akhishvarish had a turn of heart. He was an evil monster and he became an ally of the Jewish people, the king. So that switch from a bad guy to a good guy, means a spark was revealed. And he says, that's and and, and this spark of Ahasuerus, where do you see it being retrieved? Well, was the revelation of the spark was that godliness is now dominating over the klipa. The klipa falls away, the evil fell fell away, and, and a person who should have been an evil person, something inside of him was a controlling him, a, 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 a goodness was controlling him, which means he became an assistant of the Jew, of, 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 he saved the Jewish people and then lifted their, their honor and, and advanced the purpose of creation and gave us Purim in that sense. But where did we see the elevation of that, literally the elevation of the spark, how it integrated into holiness? Well, his son, Der Yavesh, Der I don't know how they say his name in the, uh, in in the uh, not in Hebrew but in Hebrew we call him Daryavesh or something Dar Darwish, I'm not sure exactly how they say his name it was the one who gave permission to build the temple, so the second temple was built with his energy, he gave permission and he led and he and he and he, and, he, and and he was the he wrote the license for it and it was engaged and involved and he supported it. That's the spark of Persia being elevated, but he says it wasn't only him. Haman, the wicked Haman himself, also had a spark that was elevated. Was, I He mean, said every dark thing has a spark. What's the spark? Why did Haman deserve to elevate? He's only the bad guy. He's the schemer. No. He says because of Haman, we have the whole story of Purim. So he, he made the ultimate contribution, he says. He brought us the greatest holiday, the greatest celebration, all the great miracle, something to inspire. It was all from this wicked guy. So he made a major contribution. So, where did the spark of Haman find its way literally into holiness? Well, the Talmud tells us that the great grandchildren of Haman were converted and learned Torah in B'nai Barak. So, the sages, there's a big yeshiva in B'nai Barak, and the grandchildren of Haman learned Torah there. That means they converted, they learned Torah. That means his 10 children were killed, but he had already grandchildren. Of his wicked grandchildren, someone converted. And they could, that was his spark that was integrated. And he says, there's no joy above like the the return of these sparks of holiness. It's powerful. So on Purim, when the Torah is being given now anew, there is a re, a re, um, generation if you might say or an intensification of this whole idea of now being able to elevate sparks and as a result of that manifest godliness in the world in order to be able to do that is the is, is where the horse is coming that's right Haman is the one who calls for the horse regarding this drawing down Is stated by the giving of the Torah. What is stated? When you're riding on your horses. So he explains like this. So the first thing we need to know about a horse is that a horse is the numeric value of two times 63. Because what's sus? Sus is in Hebrew, is samach, samach, is samach is 60. Two times Samach is, two times 60 is 120. Is 126 is the numeric value of the word sus. 126 divided in half. 63 and 63. Now 63, for those of you familiar with this Thursday night class, you will know that 63 is one of God's names. There's a name of God of 45. 45. There's a name of God of 60, 52. There's a name of God of 63. And there's a name of God of 72. They're all related to the Tetragrammaton, the Yud Kevavke, um In which, depending on how you fill the letters of the Yud and the hey of the four letters of God's name, because in Hebrew, every letter also has hidden letters inside of it. Like in any other language, right? The letter. Let's take any letter. R. The letter that you can see in the letter and the word and the letter R is an R, but if you're writing out the word R, you would put an A and an R. So the A is the hidden letter. So in Hebrew, it's the same thing. Every hidden letter, or B, the two E's. That would come after the B, A, B. So the two two E's, those are the hidden letters. So in God's name, there are hidden letters. The Yud is the outside letter. The He is the outside letter. Depending on what we fill these letters, you'll come to the various different... And sometimes the same word can be used in Hebrew, can can have different letters that are filling it. It's like, for example, cat with a C or cat with a K. They Would both spell the word cat, even though the right way of cat is C, but still you can technically write K A T. So in Hebrew, the Yud K Vav K can have the four letters of God's name, could be is according to the truth, has different fillings. Based on that, you end up with these num- numbers. Now, what you're playing, you're not messing with God's name just with our own numbers. This is based on a tradition. Now, in God's name, it means God's name, a different each each um, permutation of God's name equaling a different number is permutation of God's name equaling a different number is um, relates to different manifestations of God's name. So it's not just Not just a, a different gematrium. It's a different energy. The energy of 63 is what the horse contains. For whatever reason, the horse, is a, you should respect that horse. The horse, that's why a horse is a beautiful animal. The horse has within it the the the, 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 the physical horse that God created is somehow related to one of God's names of 63, one of the divine manifestations. Double 63. Now, 63 is spelled Samach Gimel. If you rearrange the word Samach Gimel and you put the Gimel first, it's like 3 six, It's not 36, it's still 63, but you're putting the second letter first, You spell the word gas, which gas really means haughty. So the name 63 has within it some element of divine haughtiness. And divine haughtiness is actually a good thing. Usually we say the dominating factor in God is what? His humility. It's because God is so humble that he listens to us. Because, because God is so humble that he lowers himself down to care about us, to create us, to be in a relationship with us. We're blown away by God's humility. But sometimes we need God's haughtiness a little bit. Because the opposite of the humility. God's God t- should take himself a little seriously and self-respect himself so that his energy does not flow into the klippa on the other side. In other words, when God is just infinitely humble and infinitely kind and infinitely good, then his energy flows everywhere. And that is not what we need in order to be able to navigate into dark places and extract sparks. We need a certain aloofness. We need a certain retraction. We need a certain state of Hashem to be, to have a a little tinge of arrogance. Demand respect, demand compliance, demand surrender. So the name of 63 is associated with God when God is keeping his chin high. I don't think anybody ever said that. (laughs) But the concept is here. Just the way it came out is weird. But that's the idea. God is, is, in, a, is in a state of... Now the sages tell us about... So you want to say else the word a horse? The sages tell us in, in tractate... Everything is in the Talmud. Everything. The Talmud was like the target throughout all of history. Until today, the anti-Semites, they can't stand the Talmud. Everything is... They blame everything on the Talmud. The Talmud, the Talmud, the Talmud. It's like the, it's like the, it's like the book that corrupted the Jews. Like as long as the Jews were st- were listening just to Scripture and the Bible, they were okay. Once the rabbis came and brought the Talmud, forget it. But the Talmud has got all the gems, all the gems of the gems. So the Talmud says somewhere that a horse, six things we know about a horse, <laughs> and the Talmud is speaking of, the Talmud is. Speaking of the psychology of a horse, and what does the Talmud say is like the is like the part of the psychological feature of a horse? It loves war. I forgot already all the six. I looked it up last week. It loves war. It loves it loves promiscuity. It's not one of the holiest of animals it goes through six it's a shame that i don't remember them i would take a take out a piece of uh, to say what the six things are but one of the things is its spirit is very haughty A, a horse is very proud of itself it knows it's beautiful it knows it's attractive it knows it flexes its muscles and it wants you to see it flexing its muscles It has, from the animal, in the animal world, it has a certain pride. The words the sages use about it is, Ruchai Gasa Olav. Its spirit is, 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 is Gasa, is haughty. So, why does the horse have that physically? Because for whatever reason, and some, some, some spiritual, spiritual, source of a source of a source of a source, that has obviously, you know, it has fallen through the shattering of the vessels, it has fallen down to become the physical horse. But in its origins of origins, it's plugged into a very lofty level of the divine. The name of 63. And at least that nature of it, of it being haughty, of it being proud, that having pride is 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 a reflection of the name of sixty three, which spells the word gas. So it's the name of God of sixty three. So that means there's a name of God that's forty five. The name of forty five expresses God's humility, because the word forty five in Hebrew spells the word ma. Ma means what am I. Total nullification, total total emptying of self. The name sixty three has a certain presence of self, a certain confidence in of on God's part, on who he is and what he is. And he in this discourse particularly is going to emphasise why the Torah while the Torah was given, there was this ingredient of the divine that needed to be present in the, in, the, in the horses that brought the Torah down to the world. But he explains, why is it 2 times 63? Because what did we say about a horse before? The main utility of a horse is to ride on the horse. Simply to go a far distance. But to go a far distance, you can go without a horse. It just takes you longer to get there. But you can go without the horse. The real primary usage of the horse is to go to a place that you can't get to. Now, the place that you can't get to can either be very low, to into a deep canyon, or to go up to the peak of a high mountain. And that's the two times 63 in the word horse because the horse's ability to go up super high is from one time 63 and the horse's ability to go down super low is from the other time 63 so the word sus which is the word horse which is the numeric value of 126 Follow the word horse so first of all, you'll never look at a horse again the same. so you're seeing a horse you know that his numeric value in Hebrew is 126 Two times Hashem's name, 63. But the reason it's twice will provide in the horse these two abilities. And both of them are related to the horse's ability, to to the horse's pride. Because that's why it's 63. But one of them is is one feature of the horse is its ability to go up, 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 up to a very high peak. Obviously exhibiting pride. That it goes up to the top of the mountain, that it's up there, and it feels like it's the champion of 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 the of the, of the world. It's up on you know top of Mount Everest or whatever. Now, horses don't climb that mountain, but they go up pretty high. Or um, the fact that it can go down very low is another feature of its pride, as we're going to see soon. The name of sixty three of the divine, as it was active by the giving of the Torah contains within itself these two features within God. One to go up very high and one to descend very low. And both of them are necessary for the giving of the Torah. And therefore, not only... they, So therefore, it shows up both in, in, on, on, on Shavuot by the giving of the Torah in the year 2448 and then a thousand years later by the story of Purim. Again, the horses are active, the divine horses. Haman says, let's go get the horse. Because we can't proceed with the unfolding of history unless we get the horse. To move the world of Torah into the next stage, to bring the Torah further into the world, we need a horse. We need two times 63 to accomplish that. Now, before we continue, I need to make another, another important uh, introduction. And that is that... Two more introductions, okay? but they're, they're short, hopefully. Two more introductions, because it's very Kabbalistic, the next piece, so it's important. Once we know the horse contains the concept of 63, now let's understand where is the name 63 in the divine. So first of all, this idea that there is a haughtiness, a pride, where do we find it? Another time horses were being used. That was where the Torah talks about horses when, when they left Egypt. Pharaoh was Pharaoh was chasing after. We learned a the few discourses about that. Pharaoh was chasing after the, the the Jewish people, and he's with his horse and rider. So there's a verse that says, uh, when the Jewish people start singing by the by the sea, the sing the song by the splitting of the sea. What do they say? al Hashem, let us sing to God. Ki He is exalted over the exalted. In other words, at that moment, the Jewish people were stunned by God's exaltedness. Exaltedness means his his pride, his incredible, majestic, his elevated state. God allowed us to experience him at that moment as the warrior, as the victor, as the winner, as as the champion. We get to see God many times. Earlier, Moses sees God as the fire inside a burning bush, and God is God is God is saying, "I'm being poked by the thorns of pain and suffering." So we got to see that face of God, God's infinite compassion, His imminence, His involvement, His pain, His suffers along with us. But by the going of the sea, we got to see God's glory as a champion, as a as a, right? and the verse emphasizes Go, oy God" two times, great. That's the. And what is the continuation of the verse? The horse and its rider recast into the sea. Ooh, God cast into the sea the horse of the unholiness. But how did God cast into the sea the horse of the unholy? Pharaoh's horses? Through God's horse. What's God's horse? God's pride. That's why the beginning of the verse speaks about Hashem's pride. It's as if the verse would be saying, my horse trampled your horse. Ashira Lashem, let us sing to God. When it says, Ki go, go, he's great, he's great over the great, it's like it says, horse, horse. And it doesn't have to say twice horse, because one time horse has within it two times 63. So it's Ki go, go, and that's why it overpowered the horses of power, The arrogant horses of, of the Klippa were crushed because at that moment, God displayed this, he just flashed it for a second. Flashed it for a second, his exaltedness. His, his, his. Okay, so that's where we see the concept of pride in Hashem. It's related to the name of 63. Now, let's see where the name 63 shows up in the order of evolving lights. So the four names of God, first of all, the name of Hashem of the Vav Vavkei in general encompasses, contains within it the entire structure of Sefirot. The, the name of Hashem means the entire, the whole name, the name that includes all features of God because we know the name the Tetragrammaton is the main name as opposed to the various other names which highlight only one feature of Hashem. But the name Vav Vavkei is the name that is most Inclusive name. Fine. So, therefore, it's the most inclusive name. It's not a name of a particular attribute. It's the name of all the configuration of all the attributes together. Fine. But now we're saying that what? That in the name of Hashem itself, the numeric value is different. So, we have to see all these attributes, all the 10 attributes, in different stages. So, the name 52 represents the lowest state so to speak of 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 the sephirot when they are completely vested the ten sephirot as they are manifesting in kingship in malchut malchut is the final stage of god's descent into the world the ten sephirot are malchut of of investment within the lower three worlds within the broken world within when the world that is Needs Tikkun and so on and so forth. We're not going to get into that that much right now. That's 52. 45 is the is the manifestation of the of the new world of Tikkun. We discussed earlier that there was an ancient world that collapsed. There was a new emanation of lights where there's rectified energies, rectified attributes that's the name, primarily that would be the name of God as he manifests in the world of Atzilut, the world of Eminem. In the three lower worlds where they're still shattered and brokenness, that's God as he's literally in, in exile in the world. That's the name 52. The name 45 is the divine in its purest, clearest, cleanest state. But, it's the restricted light of Hashem. And that's called the world of Tikkun, that's 45. The primordial world of the infinite energies, that initial man that came out, but with most intense revelations of the infinite light, that's 63. So as you also see, 63 is an energy that is powerful, strong, God is flexing his muscles, Superman of the divine god is being big and strong and mighty and powerful he, go, he go, he's great over the great that's the primordial world of the world so that's very important to remember 63 is associated with the world of Tohu, and where there's haughtiness there is clashing because in order to get along, you have to be humble. Since 63 has a certain element of haughtiness. That's why the vessel shattered. Because there was wars going on between the kindness and the severity of God. There was clashes going on. It was a world. It was, a, it was turmoil going on within that. Whatever that means applying to the divine order. But God intentionally emanated his lights. Each And there was extremities. It was a world only of extremes. There was, there was a lack of tolerance. Everybody was at war with each other. All the features of the divine were at war with each other because where there is where there is a where there is arrogance, where there is pride, where there is self, then that can create tension. That can create uh, and that's world shattered. Sixty three shattered, but that's that primordial world of tobe. Above that is 72, which in this discourse he doesn't talk about. That's the lights probably, again, I'm not going to, before the tzimtzum, before the contraction, before, or maybe in this, in the level of Adam Kadmon, primordial man, still a very, very early stage where everything is, everything is pre-shattering, pre-manifestation. Um Okay. Not, it's not for our discussion today that the name of seventy-two is not is not important. It, it doesn't even make mention of it once. Okay, so once we have that, so you have that structure. Sixty-three is the, the 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 chaotic primordial realm. Forty-five is already the narrowed down, limited level of divine, organized. Everything is perfect. Everything is wonderful, but it's lacking the infinity. Um, 52 is the shattered is is 52 is the three lower worlds where divine manifestation is an exile. And in 52 are sparks of the ancient world of 63. So the way it works is. The way it works is that 45 that is rectified. The energies of 45, which are rectified descend into the world of 52, where there is where there is remnants of the sparks of holiness into the world of darkness. And does the tikkun, ma, the the energies of 45, which are called ma in Hebrew, because 45 spells the word memhei, which is ma, the energies of 45 descend into the world of ban, in order to retrieve the sparks of 63. But here's the magic and the formula that we're going to learn. When the sparks which are in the lower world in the in the in the in the and let let, let me translate that just into an image that you can at least connect to a certain degree. The soul, our souls, our human souls, especially our Jewish soul. Is an entity coming from forty-five? It's a pure godly state. It's rectified. It doesn't. It, it, it's in a state of pure of holiness. It's a holy being. It's connected to God. And when the soul is in heaven, it had no evil inclination. It was in a constant state of oneness. It was beautiful. It comes into the body, and into the animal consciousness, which is of fifty-two, where there is chaos, where there is a mess. It comes down to rectify it. What does it gain by coming down? Because in 52, which is much lower than it, the body, the constricted body, the, the, the this constricted animal soul, in the physical and in the earthly lies these, these intense sparks of 63. When the soul descends, it elevates, and then what happens to the soul? The soul is then elevated up into 63. That means the soul becomes now open and, and, and ready to receive not just lights of forty-five, but lights of sixty-three, which are the infinite lights. So that's on it. You know, or let me give you now one one more thing that's related to forty-five, descending it to fifty-two. One is the soul coming down into a body. The second one is the Torah and the Mitzvot. All the Torah and the Mitzvahs, the six hundred and thirteen commandments. The Torah is also from forty-five. torah comes down to deal with the world the torah is really abstract we don't know the torah when the torah is up there above the world it's a purely divine document it's not even a document it's purely divine light but when that torah descends to deal with all the chazarai of this world all the dark stuff of this world its descent into this world is the descent of 45 into 52. same idea so the jewish people and the torah both descending are both 45 the world that they're descending into that's the mess that we spoke about especially that i described the mess that's in the world today and that's that's all part of the 52 the remnants of darkness but over there are the most powerful energies and that's why we ought not to run away from the world we ought to have the courage to face it to deal with it to elevate it to live our lives in accordance to god's will with the world and through the world because only with it do we access these 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 potent powers of 63 the future world that will reveal itself when mashiach will come and the enormous godly revelation that's going to be in the days of mashiach is going to be 63 will suddenly open up that means that the world will finally have the vessels and the containers to receive these awesome infinite lights of the primordial world and we will not crack. We will have the broadness to be able to receive it. And that's the 63. So the 63 is really the future world. That's where the horse is gonna take us. Gotta love the horses. Now, once we have that set up and after that, we're going to be, there's going to be a higher manifestation of 72, but that's, I think, the time of the resurrection of the dead. That's, that's like, but now, okay, once we have that set up, now let's see in in holiness. Just in everything. Everything in the world is made that way. That there is. Everything exists in general. And in detail. Or in in, in, in macro. And in micro. So. The realm of 52. Which is our physical existence. the Our human existence. Our animal existence. That's the realm of 52. In it. Our soul coming down, dealing with, with, with this, our heavenly, our godly soul, and the rectification leading us to 63, in the present order itself of the sephirot of the attributes, although all these attributes exist in each one of these levels, in the malchut level there is all ten attributes, Chachma, wisdom, bina, understanding, das of malchut, the six emotions of malchut, and the seventh one, malchut of malchut, all exist within malchus, which in which is the lower world, in fifty-two, and all ten exist in forty-five. The ten spheres of Atzilas, in general, of the world of emanation, and all the ten spherot exist in the world of Tohu, in the in the realm of sixty-three. So there is. In each level there is all ten. Yet, we associate more specifically these, these various levels to different spherot in general. So we would say like this, Malchut, which is what dips itself and come the energy of God that literally invests itself into the creation, into the finite world, Malchus is primarily called 52. That's where the energy of 52 is. 45 is primarily the energy of the six emotions. Six emotions of God, that's the energy. That means the the, the divine attributes. The, what we call the air unpin, the small face of God, that's that's that is um six emotions, that is the energy of 45. Bina is 63. Bina, which is the mother of the emotions, is 63. And Chachma, which is wisdom, the father, is 72. So this entire discourse that we're going to learn today, which we didn't even start yet, and it's an hour and 38 minutes into the class, this entire discourse that we're going to learn today is all on Bina. It's all on 63, on the Bina quality. Once we have that, and we understand. So that the, the horse, and, and let me just lay out the little structure. What he's going to say is, when we ascend after all of our work, after all the Torah and mitzvahs that we do, and the world down here becomes a vessel for the divine, which means that the infinite lights of Torah can manifest in the world, that means we're ascending upward into Bina. It's like all of creation is ascending to a much higher place. It's going up to a very high peak. And that's the revelation of the horse. But in a way of transcendence, in a way of ascendance, creation, or in other words, the ultimate state of existence as creation rises up to receive the infinity of God in the days of Mashiach, we reach a revelation of 63, these primordial lights of Toa, the unrestrained, unlimited, un- unfiltered lights of God can finally manifest. That's called an elevation of creation to a very high place. That's the, that's, that is personified by the horse going up to the top of the mountain. Touching 63 touching the level of God where God is not lowering himself down to us, but God is bringing us up to him. Why is that important? Because that's when we get to experience God in its, in its intensity. That's where we experience the ultimate light. And that's why the future world is called the world of Bina. Olam Haba, the future world, is the world of Bina. Why? Our world that we have today is made up of six days. Seven days. Malchus is seven. So time and space is number seven. Time and space is seven. Our existence today is built on a system of seven, six emotions plus speech, which is Malchus. So it's the six directions, the six emotions, six days. When the world will enter into the future world, number